0: Fiji could be under military rule for another five years and is increasingly sidelined from the regional community. Philippa Tolly and Megan Whelan travelled to Fiji to see what it's like there now and to find out why New Zealand should care.
1: It's been going on for I don't know how many years, since about 1975 or something, so why would you worry about it? It's Fiji. They don't get too excited about anything. The political turmoil of the last week or so, did that make you think at all about coming here?
0: Well, I did check on the internet, but I wasn't concerned.
1: As the tourist operators in Fiji say, the sun is still shining, the sea is still clear and sparkling, the white sand and coconut palms spell out Pacific paradise. The average visitor to Fiji won't see any change at all, despite the nation being under emergency rule. But on a political level, Fiji's neighbours still want to see a return to democracy and have followed through on their threats to suspend the interim regime from the regional body, the Pacific Islands Forum. Samoa's Prime Minister, Chulepa Selele malay says the military regime failed to live up to its promises.
2: It is up to Panamarama to be genuine about the
3: dialogue and where it is leading. So far, Banimarama has been lying and kept on lying to the forum leaders. And right up to now, it is somebody that we cannot trust.
1: But is this just a debate about principles and concern for the population of Fiji? Or is there a practical impact for New Zealand as the turmoil of the most recent coup continues unresolved? Before considering these questions, it was important to gather a view of the current situation from the streets of the capital, Suva. I travelled to Fiji with my colleague Megan Whelan just over a week after the constitution was abrogated and emergency rules brought in which banned public gatherings of a political nature and imposed censorship of the media. If you had just arrived in Suva, there would be no indication that just over two weeks ago the constitution was abrogated and the interim prime minister reappointed just a couple of days after he stepped aside following an appeal court decision declaring his regime illegal. After Commodore Frank Bainimarama ousted the elected government in 2006 and seized power, the streets around the capital were peppered with military roadblocks.
4: Celebrations continue in Suva from this one for the opening of an office block to more stately ones at Government House. Fiji's President Ratu Josefa Iloilo Ilo, this morning presented an honour to his caretaker Prime Minister Commodore Frank Bainimarama. The Commodore was invested as a Companion of the Order of Fiji, the highest level of the order. Military Division Award is given for eminent achievement and merit of the highest degree in service to Fiji or to humanity at large. The President, Fiji's head of state, looked unsteady as he presented the honours and didn't speak other than to offer congratulations and in his past two public appearances a representative has spoken on his behalf. The overwhelming sense in Fiji at the moment is one of uncertainty. Law is created by presidential decree, but the president is frail. So who's in charge? Who can one trust? And what does the future hold? With the censorship of the media and threats against those who criticise, it's hard to get an answer to any of those questions. Those who made public comment in the past now don't want to speak out, citing fears of repercussions from the military regime. But Pathali Kenevuwai, the national director of Fiji's former ruling party, SDL, says it's important for people to continue expressing their opinions.
5: With us airing our views towards um, the, the work and the activities of government, it only acts as, as a signpost for the interim government because the criticism we throw at them, the better they will become in terms of delivering services to the people. And uh, I think by curtailing us, gives them a free hand to do things the way they want it to be, rather than how it should be done. And um, I believe good chance will prevail. This ban on media will be lifted uh, very soon, and uh, we will once again return to normal.
4: But rather than lifting the emergency regulations, Fiji's military regime now says it will continue them at least until June 10th and possibly beyond. They ban public meetings involving the media or anything political and prevent free reporting. And a quick perusal of the local newspapers show they're working, sports and local interest stories dominate. The interim government spokesperson, Lieutenant Colonel Numi Lewini, is pleased with how it's working.
5: Obviously, we we are quite satisfied. I wouldn't say happy, say satisfied that the the way things have gone in this couple of weeks. Yes.
4: Are the censors reporting <coughs> any issues that they're having?
5: As you know, Fiji is a very small place. Somehow or another, people do uh, come across each other sometimes in in their life whilst here in Fiji, and we. They they know most of the people that work in the media outlets, so let's put it that way, so we're not uncomfortable with them.
4: But the journalists are uncomfortable with it. Those I spoke to were clearly frustrated with the daily censorship and reported senior journalists leaving the profession after giving up on being able to do their jobs. Reporters and media owners alike are aware that businesses can be seized and prefer to comply with the regulations until they're lifted. And the news continues to run, though for some in shortened format.
3: Good evening, I'm Ronnie Lal at the Legend FM News Centre. Commercial banks in Fiji are now preparing to reduce their
5: lending and interest rates.
4: One of the censors, Information Officer Tui Masu, says the regulations are there to ensure there aren't any anti-government statements. We had to speak to the editor and tell him, you know, uh, there are certain words that you cannot use, so if you probably could re-angle it in this manner, then probably that story can stay for that page. And so the editor has been able to comply. The Director of Police Operations, Senior Superintendent Waisayed Tambakau, spoke about the benefits he saw in the emergency regulations, in particular the increased powers of detention and arrest.
2: The emergency regulation uh, is really very much touching on the the public order and public safety issues. And uh, it really assists us in our law enforcement and uh, in the maintenance of law and order in the country. Uh, It has
5: given us uh, a few additional powers in terms of uh, addressing public order issues
2: and public safety issues.
1: Among the unchallengeable decrees issued by the President was a move to make the retirement for civil servants compulsory at 55. This man was one of those forced to stop work earlier than he expected, but he was too worried about the ramifications to be identified publicly.
2: Under the current situation, it's a one-way directive. You're not given the the chance to defend yourself, but to take it and accept it. Except in some cases where uh, there's a shortage of uh, professionals in a particular department because of the limited number of people available, they might be asked to sign on again, or to be re-employed again. Otherwise, you, you are going home for good.
1: And you won't be able to say anything about it? You have no. To go home and be quiet. Yeah, that's right. More than 2,000 public servants ended their working lives at the end of last month, a move the interim regime said was necessary to reduce the size of the civil service and to give new employment opportunities to the young. The executive director of Fiji's Council of Social Services, Hassan Khan, says worries over speaking out has kept reaction to the decree muted.
5: There has not been a major outcry about this thing. A lot of uh, people are just uh, lying low. But uh, civil society organisations are beginning to think on how to do this. In fact, we... Is that
1: because people would be scared to say that they're going to be really suffering because of this move? Well, I think people
5: are are, uh, are uh, mindful of the, the current emergency situation.
4: Virtually without exception, ordinary people in Suva weren't willing to talk about how they felt about what was happening in their country. Whether in the market, the shops or here in one of Suva's taxis, conversations rapidly came to an end. And those who were willing to make some sort of comment certainly wouldn't be recorded, but often gave general comments such as this, we just mind our business and eat and work, which gave an indication of a resigned and pragmatic attitude. But some were still hopeful. One man told me of his belief that if Commodore Bainimarama delivered on his promises, he would be able to change Fiji for the better. While the opinions of the people of Fiji over the political situation are banned from the media, what is making the news is a worsening economic picture for the country. The Reserve Bank's devaluation of the currency by 20% is expected to help the tourism and export industries in the long term. At the municipal market in Suva, locally grown products are still cheap and abundant, but as my colleague Philip Tolley found out at a nearby supermarket, the price of other basics is rising.
1: The price of imported goods at this supermarket in Suva certainly do seem to be rather expensive. got tea here, royal tea bags, $4.20. And then just a bit further up the aisle, we have just a small jar of peanut butter, that's also $4.39. And just the very smallest packets of wheat bags are three dollars ninety nine.
4: And the drop in the value of the Fiji dollar is yet to translate into increased visitor numbers or more tourist spending.
5: You want to see my sales book? make any sale for money? <laughs> you like anything? I give you half price.
4: The National Federation Party's Pramod Rai, also a trade unionist, says times are extremely tough already.
5: The statistics really don't reveal anything. It's, it's a reality on the ground that you need to see. We see physically people in supermarkets abandoning full trolleys because they're unable to pay you know, for, their, for their shopping and that really is a sad uh, kind of a sight. Apart from that, the daily problems with taps and no water, light bulbs but no electricity sometimes, you know, half the night you have, you know, you've got, a, you've got a power outage. When you drive along the roads, it's an obstacle course, you know, the potholes are getting bigger and bigger. The queues in the hospitals, you know, there are no medicines in hospitals, shortage of doctors. Uh, these things are depressing. These things add to the mental torture and the state of helplessness that people generally feel.
4: But the statistics are still grim.
5: Figures of government, Bureau of Statistics, as late as last year revealed that uh, at least 40% of people are in poverty and about another 20% hovering around that. So now the situation would be that we can say comfortably that 60% of the Fiji's population are uh, in in, in dire straits, in, in poverty.
4: The executive director of Fiji's Council of Social Services, Hassan Khan, says the fall in people's living standards has been building gradually, but is now at a stage where he speaks of a lost generation. In abrogating the constitution, the president also dismissed the judiciary and senior positions are yet to be appointed. Solicitor Graham Leung, a former president of the Law Society, says it's critical for a society that respects the rule of law to have protective mechanisms.
5: Where you've got a situation in a country where there isn't a functioning judicial system, that obviously is a matter of very serious concern mm. and there is a huge vacuum. Uh, and obviously the judiciary has a, a vital place to play in in a country's social and economic development.
4: Do you think there would be people willing in the current climate to mount a constitutional challenge once there is a judiciary?
5: There would be people. They wouldn't. You could count them on your five fingers. There wouldn't be too many because the situation for a lot of people is quite terrifying and the military has not shied uh, away uh, in the past from isolated acts of violence.
4: With no functioning judiciary and the ombudsman's position thrown out along with the constitution, there are few checks and balances on the interim government. Philippa Tolley visited one of the few remaining institutions, the Human Rights Commission.
1: The Human Rights Bill was scrapped along with the constitution and I've arrived at the Human Rights Commission offices to see if the Commission is operating. The Human Rights Commission office is open, but the door to the office of the dumped position of ombudsman just next door is blocked by a member of the Police Special Forces unit dressed in a blue camouflage outfit. The Human Rights Commission is still accepting complaints, but at this stage has no commissioners and there's no operating high court to resolve disputes. Now that Fiji is suspended from the forum and
4: increasingly isolated from the regional and larger international community, should New Zealand
1: turn its back until the interim regime makes a move deemed to be in the right direction? The stability of the region is a major factor cited by the Foreign Affairs Minister Murray McCulley, who says there was always a possibility for localised issues to threaten the well-being of the whole Pacific. The Labour leader, Phil Goff, was Foreign Affairs Minister when the elected government of Lysenia Ngarase was ousted in 2006. He has little sympathy for those who say what is going on there makes little difference to us.
3: A couple of weeks after ANZAC Day, when we commemorate and remember the people that went to fight for their country, basic freedoms and the right of democracy that we say look commerce comes first Uh, it doesn't matter what's happening in Fiji as long as we can still have people stay there on holiday and it doesn't affect them why should we worry about the abrogation of these rights well we should worry because Fiji was a democracy it did have those rights they've been taken away and we can't possibly turn a blind eye and say that that's okay.
1: Mr Golf strongly questions whether there is any intention to hold elections at all. Certainly, Fiji's Lieutenant Colonel Numi Lueni says there won't be any sort of vote before the deadline set by the president.
5: The elections is in 2014, so it will take maybe another another one to two years, and then by the time 2014 begins, then everything should be in place by then. Decisions have been made 2014, and that's it.
1: Fiji's Attorney General, Ayaz Syed Kayum, speaks of Wellington and Canberra just not understanding what needs to be done.
6: There is this obsession with elections, not willing to recognise the fact, as they had wanted for example elections uh, uh, earlier on, that notwithstanding the fact that the the electoral structure itself was biased, it was gerrymandered, that there was no equal suffrage. So they're saying, well, regardless of that, regardless of trying to run a modern nation state, you guys just stick to this uh, structure and just have the elections.
1: I think the accusation and, and has strongly been lack of will to change things in, in a timely, what is written to be a timely fashion, and that's an accusation that's come from the UN as well.
6: No, but, but you see, the, the point is that, again, you're missing the point, that the electoral reforms that are being suggested uh, could not have been achieved under the system that we had. So it's not simply a question, well, it didn't want to achieve the, those structures, it's how do you go about it. That was precisely the reason why the UN and the Commonwealth were called in the first place.
1: Rather than an obsession, a former president of Fiji's Law Society, Graham Leung, says Fiji needs elections to provide a legitimate process rather than regulation by whim.
5: It's within a parliamentary framework that the very kinds of problems that Ayaz Khayyum seems to suggest are unique only to Fiji, can be solved and resolved but you know they've been going on and harping on for the last 2 years about the need for electoral reform but i can tell you that there's been very little credible evidence of any specific concrete steps
1: that veering away from a return to democracy and the downward economic direction means the trend for people to leave fiji and move to new zealand continues with some figures indicating a significant increase Statistics New Zealand, which uses arrival cards to measure people's intentions to stay in New Zealand, suggests there has been a 20% jump in permanent long-term migration from Fiji in the past year and a 40% increase in the last quarter. But Immigration New Zealand measures things differently and its group manager, Kevin Third, says for the year to date there's only been a slight increase in immigration but a larger increase in asylum claims, up to 18 this year from eight the year before.
4: You expect
0: refugee claims from anywhere where there's difficulty happening and unrest. People will often use the refugee claim process to try and get out of different types of situations. It doesn't necessarily mean that what's happening in their country is a UN Convention issue. It's an avenue of last resort often that, that some people will choose to uh, approach.
1: As the brain drain from Fiji continues, so does criticism that the region's two major players have thrown their weight around in an unacceptable manner. An associate professor in political science at Canterbury University, John Henderson, who is a specialist on the Pacific, says Fiji is so important to regional affairs that effects of instability flow well beyond its borders. He says New Zealand's interaction with Suva has had an impact on its relationship with other forum members.
0: One of the heavy costs of the uh, New Zealand principal stand on the issue of Fiji has been that it has cost us in terms of our relations with other Pacific Island states unfairly really because we were standing up for what the whole region was formally declared to back but um, not prepared to speak out in the way that
1: New Zealand was. John Henderson thinks links with Melanesian countries in particular have been hit but New Zealand's Foreign Minister Murray McCulley believes the notion that New Zealand's standing with its regional neighbours has been damaged largely stems from attempts by Fiji to divide the region
0: let's be frank, it is something of a challenge for the forum to have to manage something like this. Um, I think it would be fair to observe that the forum leaders have done so with considerable confidence um, and, and skills so far. Uh, that's not easy for some of the smaller nations that depend more on Fiji for the regional transport hub for education and so on. So it is, it is a challenge to forum unity, and Fiji has gone out of its way to try and... Um, Create a divide and rule situation in recent times, uh, that it's been to the eternal credit of forum uh, leaders that they've understood that that's the game that's being played and resisted uh, being tempted by it.
1: But it's as much a question of financial influence as it is political, according to an economist at the University of the South Pacific, Waden Nasi. He argues that for the region to develop, Wellington and Canberra have to find a better way to work with their island neighbours.
2: It's not just that, you know, we're in Australia and New Zealand's backyard. The fact of the matter is that, you know, we've got strong economic ties and strong political ties that go back a century. And and the future of the Pacific Island countries is in closer economic relations with Australia and New Zealand. It is very, very important that, that Australia and New Zealand not see Pacific Island countries as sort of foreign countries, you know, on their doorstep, but as basically, you know, part of their own bigger economic community. And the sooner I think Australia and New Zealand move towards that closer economic relations, give the kinds of economic benefits that the Pacific Island countries are looking for, the sooner the Pacific will be a politically stable place without destabilizing international influences or destabilizing internal crises, you know, such as the military coups we have seen in Fiji, the civil unrest in Solomons and other places and in Tonga. So New Zealand and Australia need to be involved but you know, as, as genuine big brothers, not as the Orwellian big brother.
1: Those strong links are often pointed to by business people as they argue the need for commercial links to continue uninterrupted and the amounts of money involved are not insignificant. New Zealand exports to Fiji in the year ended March 2007 were over $360 million. The director of the R.B. Patel supermarket chain in Fiji, Surendra Patel, says the trading links to New Zealand go back several generations, but that's not enough to guarantee businesses won't look elsewhere.
2: Most businesses, whether it's in um, Fiji or businesses in anywhere in Asia, or whether it's Lebanon or anywhere else, they still want to do business. Our relationship with New Zealand should continue. I mean, they, unless New Zealand makes it too difficult... To, and, and makes it hard, there's no reason why it shouldn't continue. Business uh, uh, business would prefer to deal with New Zealand if they can because of the short timing gaps and everything else. But like if there were measures introduced which made it harder and difficult, there's always other countries who are waiting, you know, just waiting to get the business. Business is difficult to do.
1: And those sentiments are echoed by Ethel McQuilkin, the director of Harrier Exports, which trades all around the Pacific.
2: So
5: it's very important for New Zealand to recognise that business is business and Fiji is a unique country. It's in the hub of the Pacific and we have to nurture that market very much. We have to nurture it and no politics will stop that nurturing in the history that we've had for many, many years.
1: Still others such as Pacific Environment's architects have already successfully worked with the interim regime.
3: We've never been um, directly affected by the military itself. In fact, I think uh, two, two of our projects had government support where, they, where the government were joint venture partners to the projects. I mean, they, they were really excited by the fact that um, money was being spent and uh, were right behind it.
1: While the arguments continue about making sure that business remains separate from the political exchanges, Murray McCulley speaks of steering some sort of middle course.
0: There are one or two people in business who would say, look, it doesn't matter whether they abrogate the constitution, whether they lock a few citizens up, whether they beat up a few journalists and uh, attack their political opponents, we should just sort of treat it as like business as usual and uh, treat the almighty trade dollar as the most important consideration. New Zealand's tried to show some balance uh, in, in dealing with this issue all the way through.
1: Phil Goff says New Zealand does want Fiji to return to the Pacific community so that plans to develop trade, transport and social links can be advanced. He believes it would be unhelpful to push Fiji to the economic brink.
3: We have not accepted uh, that economic sanctions be applied to collapse the economy, but we have used other forms of sanction to put pressure on Fiji uh, there are not clear alternative options, other than those that I've suggested, uh, about further isolating the Fijian military by stopping them using their soldiers for either peacekeeping under the UN or for service in the United Kingdom.
1: From Fiji's perspective, more time is needed. The Attorney-General argues that it's not just a matter of electoral change. He talks of growth being needed in society itself and, in contrast to what is actually going on in Fiji, speaks of freedom and transparency.
6: When you had a parliament in this country, the checks and balances weren't there at all. Just because you have a parliament, it doesn't mean you have checks and balances. What we need, we need strong institutions of accountability. And that's really crucial. You need to instill a culture of strong institutions of accountability. And that was not there. If you are able to strengthen these sorts of accountable mechanisms where there's there's also transparency and where there is a lot more um, uh, fair play, really, uh, then you will uh, build a, a society where it becomes more democratic.
1: There seems no indication that the regime will hold elections or choose to give up power any earlier than 2014, and there are many who question what will happen to Fiji in that time. The nation's ousted Vice President, Ratu Joni Mandrewiwi, says it's up to the people of Fiji as to what happens next, not the international community.
0: And I think for the people of this country, they need to appreciate that um, there is only so much that the international community can do, that in the end they have to take responsibility for the state of affairs here and really reflect on what they're going to do about it because I think the expectation of the international community coming to their aid is I think also largely dependent on the extent to which they are prepared to challenge the regime.
1: Tupo Veri, the director of the Pacific Concerns Resource Centre which advocates over human rights, says while democracy won't necessarily solve all the nation's problems, the future looks dark without any opportunity for people to express their views. My worry is that we will, may have a situation where there will be a lot more civil strife and hopefully
4: it won't turn out into a total chaos, eh? mayhem, because other differences might
2: surface during such times of trouble. We've been resilient you know, so, since the uh, coup 2006. There hasn't
4: been any total breakdown. Of law and order in this country, it is. I fear the worst that if if things continue for a long period, and up until 2014, I I really have grave doubts that we will be able to sustain a country in that situation uh, for that long period.
1: The fear among those who do not support what is going on in Fiji is very real in Suva. And while the regime talks of the need for change and reform, the region has judged that political will is lacking. As an ever-dwindling number of tourists line up to clear security at the end of their holiday and the military regime continues to hold power, the way ahead for Fiji seems increasingly rocky.
0: That programme was written and presented by Philippa Tolley and Megan Whelan, with additional reporting by Richard Pumatato. Technical production was by Colette Chapman.